So right now I'm driving. Um, I just thought I would try to record something. Um, I thought I would try to explain uh, spiritual kingdoms um, because I don't know. It seems um, it seems important to me because they're very real. They still exist today. So just um, I guess to start in whenever I would read the Bible, I noticed especially when you get to the books of the prophets. Um, in the older books, there's different kingdoms that are mentioned, and I'm not real clear on a lot of those, like the Philistines and um, different kingdoms like that. I can, I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit of understanding on maybe the character and nature of the Philistines um, through, I guess, what I'm going to explain in a minute. Um, when you get over the book of the prophets, there are these uh, three kingdoms that God seem to bring up a lot in the scriptures in the bible of the word um and it was egypt assyria and babylon um so i wanted to talk about that because those kingdoms still exist today and not in a natural way in a very spiritual and very real way and they manifest on the earth in bodies of people um large bodies of people so you have this heavenly kingdom, this invisible kingdom overhead, and it has a character and a nature, and it has um, different um, principles. So it's like principalities. And so those principles, its character and its nature, um, the people find themselves with those same principles. And then that it, it pulls all these people together and it creates a, a body of people, a collective group of people throughout the whole world. So you have the heavenly Jerusalem. Like we as Christians, you understand that. That there's a natural Jerusalem and then there's a, a heavenly one also. There's a spiritual um, that includes uh, Jerusalem is a city of peace. It's a city of righteousness. Um, so there, so it's, that is kind of um, the verse in Samuel where it says... Uh, God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God looks at the heart and the spirit of the matter. So to kind of see as he sees. And so there, if there's a, a heavenly Jerusalem that's mentioned in scripture, then there's probably a heavenly Babylon, which you see that in Revelation. Like it talks about Babylon has fallen, has fallen. So a Babylon is a pattern. It's like a framing. It's a, it's a heavenly, a heavenly kingdom that has, like I said, character nature and so it has a frame it has a um structure to it i guess would be the right word it has a certain structure within all those the heart of it within the heart and the character and nature of it so okay so that kind of i hope lays the ground for the idea of those kingdoms so now i'm going to talk about i guess my understanding of the character in the nature of each each one of those um so i guess i'll start with egypt and i'm gonna try to i guess go basically i'm trying to not put in any of my ideas or opinions i'm really just trying to go off of the the scriptures that and what they what they say about the character and nature of egypt so egypt um i have to begin it it is a place of um, where people go when there's a famine in the land. Like you see that 
with Abraham. There's a famine in the land, so he goes down to Egypt. So a famine in the land means there's no living water um, at the time. There is a, like the, for there to be a famine, um, that means you're not getting rain from heaven. So the heavens are shut up and withheld. And so there, and so that's when you go to Egypt. So, um, there, that's kind of the first mention. So that kind of gives you an idea, I guess. Um, the oddest, to put it simply, the best of my understanding, it seems to me like Egypt is not a bad kingdom. Like, I'm not even saying any of these kingdoms are bad, necessarily, except for maybe Babylon. Egypt is not a bad one, but it seems to be, um, to me, a ma very materialistic, um, I don't know if I would say scientific, um, but very materialistic kingdom. Um, like, you, that's how you operate, is you... Um, Everything is in this, you think you think on a very materialistic level and you turn to material things. Um, and you turn, uh, you, just operating according to the world system. And so those aren't bad things, but like Egypt is called the house of bondage. And so it gives birth to bondage is what it says in Galatians, I think, Hagar, the Egyptian. Uh, corresponds now to Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage. It's operating according to the flesh, according to your own works, your own deeds. Like Israel falls into that. In Galatians, he says that now they base their righteousness and off of all these things they do with very fleshy commandments, like what they eat, um, what they, you know, the circumcision, all these very fleshy things. Um, even I think it's maybe in Isaiah, it says, Egypt, your very fleshy neighbors, like it calls them fleshy it's very material it's very here and now um even uh like yeah, the um i don't know just just operating in that way um so you can kind of see that and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because um we turn to the things of these this world like i mean you have to partake of this world you have to you have to eat food and bread and there's herbs and uh medicines and um money you know it's just that um but that those things can if you're not careful they um bring you into bondage um there's a man what is it uh i wish i could remember the verse there's a yeah when abram um sleeps with hagar the egyptian um sarah says something i can't even let's see if i can find it really quick um, I'd really like to, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'll find it and it won't actually <laughs> be anything good or what I'm looking for. Um, let's see, uh, my wrong upon me, I gave my maid into your embrace. Yeah, so it's, she gives, like, yeah, she, um, Sarah gives Hagar to Ab to Abram, and then so he then they give birth to Ishmael, and it's she says, "I gave my maid to your embrace." So it's like you, I don't know. You can just have if you embrace those things too closely, those the operating of the world, those things like that. It's it can put you into bondage. Um, but that's to say that Egypt, like again, uh, it's not necessarily a bad kingdom. Um, so it's bad to get caught up in it because it will bind you and you'll be 
caught in it. God also describes Egypt as the iron furnace. So there's that description of it also. Sorry if this seems scattered. I feel like I'm spending way too long on this one kingdom. Then, okay, so I'll just move on to the second one. Egypt seems to be materialism, fleshy kingdom. Then the next one, Assyria. So Assyria, the when I look at the nature of how that kingdom operates and the character of it, the best context I gather from it is looking at the story of Hezekiah when Assyria comes and um, he uh, comes against Hezekiah, against Jerusalem at that time. And it's very pressing. They're, they're, he's pressing against the city. Um, he has destroyed all these other kingdoms. He says, basically, I took all these gods from these other kingdoms. I threw them in the fire. Um, and their gods died. Like these kingdoms, I, I destroyed them all. Um, and he comes to uh, Hezekiah and he's like, where's your God? How's your God going to save you? None of these other gods save you. So I I mean, I see it and understand it as like something like what presses you. Pers it's like persecution, um, affliction, oppression, things like that, that come against you and press you um, and test your faith, basically, and test God and test where you stand. Um, and so that, that in itself is not a bad kingdom either. Like even in Isaiah, God says, or I think it's in that same passage of Hezekiah, God says, I made you for this purpose that you should destroy kingdoms, that you should destroy idols, basically. Like when the church or when, uh, God's people get into idolatry, then he sends the kingdom of Assyria to throw those gods in the fire. So there'll be only one God that they worship again. Um, so it's it's a good kingdom. I mean, it's not pleasant to have them descend upon you, but that's, um, it's a spiritual kingdom. So in the same way, it's like those characteristics, that nature, um, that when people start to act that way and people will align themselves with that, like that brings a body of people together that operate in that way through persecution. Um, we're going to persecute our enemies, afflict them, like oppress them. Um, very to really really push it back against them and really try to tear them down so that's that's the kingdom of assyria from my understanding i have in uh i don't have it with me but i have um like uh, i wrote notes to this a long time ago and i have all these scripture verses where i actually listed out where it was describing different natures and characters so um really not this is not I mean, some of it is, it's my understanding, but I'm trying not to make any of it my opinion, if that makes sense. Um, I'm really trying to just go off of what the different scripture says. So there's Babylon is the last one uh, that God seems to mention a lot. There's two more I want to talk about after that, but because um, one of them I, I think is like kind of the most fun. It's kind of hard to explain. So these kingdoms all stack up also, right? So like I like to see, uh, I'll go into that in a second. Anyway, Babylon is the head. It's the glory of all kingdoms. Like it's, you are this head of gold, Babylon. God, uh, God says to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, you are this head of gold when Daniel's talking to him. Babylon, if you go back to Genesis, the Tower of Babel, it's mankind exalting himself to the heavens. It's the self-exaltation of man. It's um, exalting your own intellect. It's you being God. It's the very, very beginning of Genesis. It's eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's saying, I'm going to be God. I'm going to sit on the throne. Mankind comes and they say, wait, 
we're gonna be whether you believe in god or not you're just exalting yourself above him we're gonna we're gonna define our own morality we're gonna do things our way we're gonna we're gonna be god we're gonna sit in the heights of heavens and we're gonna sit in the clouds and we're gonna determine what's right and wrong and um that is uh very clear you see that going on right now a lot is that's happening a lot and that's a spiritual kingdom and the, so through, through those characteristics you see them manifest on the earth and lots of people are engaging in that and um isaiah chapter 14 he talks that's specifically about the king of babylon um a lot of people like to say that's lucifer i mean well that does say that it's lucifer a lot of people like to say that satan or the devil i don't think that's correct um i don't think it's wrong but i don't think it's it's correct to say that at the same time because um, it's a judgment that is pronounced. Isaiah 14 is a judgment that is pronounced on the king of Babylon. So the king of Babylon is a pattern. It's a, an, an, like I said, it's a, it's a framing. If you, if you frame your, if you are found within that frame, if you're operating with that same character and that same nature, then that judgment, God just, God does not judge with partiality, partiality. So that judgment in Isaiah 14 is also pronounced upon you if you're, acting the same way and so like the king of babylon says lucifer the day star son of the morning says in the isaiah 14 he says i will exalt my throne i will sit in the heavens i will be like the most high is what he says i will be like god go back to genesis 3 that's the temptation of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil he says eat of this tree and you will be like god you will determine good and evil you will sit in the heights of heaven you will be like god so it's the same thing. Like you see Adam in that passage in Isaiah 14. You see yourself there. We, like, we've all done that. We've all engaged in that in some way. So that's the king of Babylon. It's the, my, it's the number of man. It's six. Man, man exalting himself as God. Um, the pride of man. It's the kingdom of pride and self-exaltation. So that's why that's the head because that's the ruler of all kingdoms that's that's up there um so these things kind of stack up like you even in the scriptures you see them the nation the kingdoms fall um i'm pretty sure that egypt gets conquered by assyria so it's not that the kingdom's destroyed it's just kind of consumed and absorbed so uh, you have Egypt, like, operating according to the flesh, very materialistic, all this stuff. And then if persecution and oppression oppression descends upon them, uh, that, then it kind of consumes that and takes over that. And that kingdom um, begins to crumble. Like, if you're caught in bondage of working through just materialistic ways, then you can easily find yourself, from that standpoint, slipping over into operating and starting to use those things to uh oppress and um get your way and then that from that babylon conquers both of those so then you know the pride and self self-exaltation of man actually consumes both of those and absorbs those into itself altogether so if that makes sense at all hopefully i'm trying to it's hard to paint a picture with words i guess i'm trying to do that i actually drew a picture because i sometimes it's Getting an image on paper is a little bit easier. Um, so the other, the other two kingdoms I wanted to mention, um, going from Babylon. I'll go to this one next. Babylon is well. No, I'll I'll go to this one. 
So like I like to see Egypt as kind of like the legs. Uh, Assyria is kind of like the torso of a man and Babylon is the head. So the head is kind of making the rest of the body move, right? Um, and these, and they stack up in that way. So you have one on top of another. So, but at the very feet of it is the kingdom of Tyre. Um, Tyre is a city that dwells in the midst of the sea. So in Revelation, it says that the sea on which the harlot sits is peoples, nations, multitude, tongues. So, um, the sea is basically this big body of water, of dead waters. It's, um, it's, uh, let's see, I'm trying to describe it. The best way I know to understand it, it is, um, it's not, it's, it's very close to how you would think of Egypt in a materialistic way. Tyre is the merchant city is what it's always described as. It's the merchants, it's a marketplace. It's, it's the transfer of wealth of this world. Not that it's like just, um, a big, uh, not that it, not that it is the wealth of the world, but it's, it's the marketplace of the wealth of the world. Um, like, uh, so it kind of controls the flow of the wealth of the world. Like all the, all the nations, all these other, all the nations in the world, there's this heavenly kingdom and it can kind of control like which one rises or falls through financial, um, not i mean i guess not just financial we like we would think financial now because the finances and money purchases things but if you read in ezekiel it talks about all the different things it trades like it trades um, food it trades horses donkeys like all these things people need in order to have a good kingdom to build your kingdom up to establish it with all these all these nice things and these um these riches so it's the transfer of riches and wealth and uh, merchandise so that's that kingdom and so that's very unstable um it's the sea you're standing on top of it you have uh egypt and assyria and babylon kind of this man and it's standing on top of the sea it's a harlot um tyre the kingdom of tyre is described as a harlot she plays a harp um sings harlot songs um so you have this siren song of money like you look at it as sirens um like in greek mythology they sing songs to you they distract you from the waves i mean they distract you from your course and then you end up crashing your ship ship against the rocks because you get distracted by all this merchandise and material things and um but she's the the big city the big merchant city that transfers that wealth so she makes kingdoms rise or fall in that way if you cut off the wealth and merchandise to a certain city and uh, if you cut off trade to that to that kingdom like if you uh, the united states if we were cut off from trade with the rest of the world like our nation unless we start doing something like we'd probably be hurting pretty bad and we'd be weakened quite a lot so um you can kind of see it like that um so that's kind of how they're layered out in my head is tire is this unstable waters the feet kind of the very bottom layer that everything's kind of sitting upon. Um, then you have Egypt, then Assyria, then Babylon at the head. The last one I was going to mention is the kings of the Medes, I guess is how you say that, and the Persians. Um, it usually references both of them together. This one was kind of hard for me because there's really very, very little scriptures that talk, like even mention them. In Daniel, it says that their word does not alter. Um, 
So that's one thing. Like they have not even that. I think it's just they have a um, a, a love for truth. Um, that what they say is like what comes out of your mouth is what's is what's what you're gonna stand by. They have a love for truth over over material things. Like in Isaiah, it says they don't regard gold and silver. Like they don't care about that. They don't care about the kingdom of Tyre. They don't care about the merchandise of the world. They care about the the their value of that kingdom. What's of a higher value to them is truth and understanding the truth. Whether they know it's the truth or not, it's like they don't care about the wealth or merchandise of the world. They would rather have truth. They would rather pursue these other things. Um, their word does not alter like what they say. They stand by it. So kind of holding to truth in that way. Um, and that's the city that sacks Babylon, that destroys Babylon. I don't like, I f that's the one I kind of struggle with because there's so few scriptures. So I feel like I, that's the one where I feel most like maybe I'm kind of like diluting it with a little bit of my opinion. I hope I'm not, but to see that kingdom as like, that's what does, but to, that makes sense to me is that's what would destroy Babylon. Because when you don't, um, the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Like if you build, if you actually build up your life to all those other kingdoms, like you would look at that with certain celebrities, they build up their life. You have it all. You have all the riches of the world. You have all this stuff. You've, um, you've built up your life to this thing. You are like this God sitting on the throne. You're like King Nebuchadnezzar. You're this head of gold sitting in this kingdom. You look at your palace. You're like, look at all these things I've built for myself. Look at this mat, like majestic garden. Look at all these things. And then vanity of vanities. You realize, man, it's all fleeting. It's nothing. It's that truth that all the merchandise of this world, when you get that realization of that it doesn't matter, then all those kingdoms crumble. And that that rock, that mountain in Daniel, that rock uh, comes and hits the feet of the kingdoms and then all of them fall. So it hits Tyre, it hits that merchant city, um, it hits all the... Um, everything under the sun and you realize it's all vanity and it's not what's valuable it's not what's important um and then all the yeah all the other kingdoms fall through that so that's why i see as the kingdom of the medes and the persians um not regarding gold and silver that's what would destroy all the other kingdoms because they care more about the the the, the spiritual things the truth the those those other things more than they do about the riches and wealth of the world i don't know i hope that made sense i'm tried to i know this one's longer it's kind of a lot thrown in there so i'm trying to describe it as best as possible um like i said none i don't know that any of these kingdoms are bad except for babylon um that's all i can um all of the all the other ones seem to have their purpose and their their service um babylon i would say i think to me it seems like it doesn't really because it seems like a very man-made kingdom like it's not even it seems like it's man sitting putting himself in position as god and so it doesn't really seem like god uses uh well i guess i shouldn't say that god uses babylon because he can work all things you know, to good.
But um, the other ones seem to have a purpose for here and now to uh, to bring about his overall design and will for uh, humanity and where things are going. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Um, I don't know that I will post all the scriptures I have because there's quite a lot of them. Um, I don't know. That's helpful to me to see things that way and see the spirit of things because then you can kind of um, you see how things are going in in the world around you and that that those things are very real and they're taking place in those heavenly kingdoms are very real and they're working right now and um operating in the world right now and so when you kind of see that and notice that then you can see uh, the outcome of it because of what's prophesied in scripture over him i mean pride comes before destruction so if babylon starts to reign then the king of babylon comes like if you if we as society and humanity build his kingdom then the king of babylon comes and he destroys the what you know like the king of pride comes and then comes destruction with that so um i hope that makes sense that um Anyway, I guess that's all.